Podcasting from Phoenix, Arizona, the home of year-round flip-flops, the nation's largest city park, and Cactus League spring training. This is The Saver and The Spender, a weekly podcast about budgeting and money habits from both perspectives. And now, here are your hosts, The Saver and financial coach, Kelsa Dickey, and her husband, The Spender, Michael Dickey. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 14 of The Saver and The Spender podcast. We are here on a very special uh, interview episode with um, uh, Julie DeVito. And uh, I'll give her a little introduction and I'll give her a bio in a second, but we're really excited to be able to talk more about productivity um, and talk to a, an actual coach who uh, works one-on-one with clients about productivity, but also elevating their um, business and personal life to um, the next level. So we're going to talk a lot about uh, some really interesting Stuff like that. Yeah. This is definitely one of those areas where I've seen so many clients struggle with it. And the byproduct is sometimes a lot of money going out the door because we're trying to either save time or we are very disorganized or lacking productivity in a lot of ways. And so I love that we've got this expert on because I'm not an expert in time management um, or productivity all the time. I have good days and bad days just like everybody. And so we want to make sure that we've got some good experts to help everybody out. Yeah. So without further ado, I'll introduce Julie. Uh, Julie DeVito is a personal coach that specializes in working with professional women, leaders, mothers, and others who set big goals for themselves and want to keep reaching new levels of success. Her area of expertise, areas of expertise are performance psychology, leadership development, productivity improvement, and stress management. She is a certified professional coach, holds a master's degree from Pepperdine in clinical psychology, uh, and is currently in a doctorate program with an emphasis on brain research, motivation, and goal-directed behavior, and is now officially the smartest person in our room here. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was such a nice introduction. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> so here's Julie. Thank you, Julie. I think you're on. Let me uh, check. But uh, So first, I want to talk about um, just what you do, your journey of how you became uh, your yourself and and head your business and the CEO of your own business and (laughs) all that kind of stuff. So go ahead. Yes. Okay, sure. I'm I'm happy to share a little bit about my journey. I, um, so I started Realization Partners. That's my company, a coaching and training company after a career in corporate, um, working for actually some, a couple of startup companies and then 10 years in the corporate environment. And, I worked in operations and in sales, business development, and then was a, I, I was an, a recruiter and worked in human resources and became an internal corporate coach. And then decided it was time for me to go out and, and start on my own. I um, went, to Ma- went to Pepperdine and got the master's degree. And I've always been interested in psychology. You know, my, my sales training was with Brian Tracy, psychology of sales my first sales training. Uh, so, you know, figuring people out, figuring out how to communicate with different personalities, understanding time management and, you know, energy management, um, was important in the, in my career. But so I left corporate America, wanted to, to, I have always, I grew up in an entrepreneurial family. So I had that in my, in my blood. I wanted to be my own boss and, and, that, that's kind of what led me to starting starting my own firm. I started coaching salespeople because that's where I came from and then moved into 
life coaching. My business has kind of evolved over the years. Life coaching, I, I, um, in 2014, I found out I had breast cancer. Mm. And that was um, life-changing, as you can imagine. imagine. I was one of the luck. I'm I'm very fortunate, blessed and lucky that I caught it at stage one. But at that time, I was coaching, I was, you know, running a business and coaching and working from home, also raising two children. I have two girls. And so life became very full and busy and stressful. And coincidentally, at the same time, I was working on my doctorate degree in clinical psychology, studying mind-body health. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Life shows us signs in such mysterious ways. (laughs) Yes. And so I had, this was kind of my, you know, sharing with you my journey. This was my wake-up call and my awakening to look, you know, hey, let's let's, um, look at what you're doing, practice what you preach as a coach, and start, you know, looking at the overload and and getting balance in my life because, you know, stress does affect us and how we operate, you know, as entrepreneurs, business owners, managing money, managing our time is, you know, it's a lot to do with how we care for our bodies and and the physical, you know, that connection. So for for a few years, I really was concentrating in that area um, and working a lot more with clients in that area, executives, because I do leadership development coaching and working with, you know, everyone I work with is experiencing overload and, and, you know, our digital world says to make life easier, but it seems we take on more work. Right. So that's, um, today in 2017, I'm, I'm still doing leadership development and I work individually with clients and help them. Uh, uh, one of the big areas that we work in is, is time management and productivity. So that's that is what I love to talk about. Perfect. Yeah, I love that. And is it mostly do you see women more than men struggle with time management? Is it, you know, sort of affects everybody? Sorry, I just hit my mic. Um, or I mean, I feel like a lot of the women that I work with tend to struggle with it more than men. You think women struggle with it more than men? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I do. I work with women and men. And both do struggle with it. I think that as women, we tend to um, take on more, say yes to more, and and not set boundaries that are firm. You know, Mm -hmm. men tend to, I think, set firmer boundaries in general. Mm -hmm. So that contributes, I think, to the overload and and getting out of balance and and not, you know, losing your energy. I think about a conversation I just had. Sorry, I I think about a conversation I just had yesterday with the babysitter who watches Carbon, you know, the childcare. And we had asked her a question and she said no very politely, but she also apologized for saying no. And I wrote back, and of course this was through email, and I said, you know, don't apologize. Like I said, I'm glad you said no. I feel like sometimes we all need to be better at saying no. And if this doesn't fit for your schedule, it's not a problem, you know. Um, And she wrote back and said, thank you so much and that, you know, she's like, this is why I love you guys so much or why this works so well, because you guys understand that we're all spread thin and saying no is not an offensive thing. Like it doesn't have to be taken personally. You know, it's one of those things where we probably all need to be better about saying no and feel comfortable saying no and not feel badly saying no. That's right. That's right. That's a very good point. I definitely agree with you, Kelsa. Saying no is, uh, you know, 
saying, not saying no is a productivity killer. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, we have, that's, that's a key, I guess, foundational principle. Right. Good to know. Right. Yeah. And so at times, you know, at times I think one of the things I, I counsel my clients with, we do weekly reviews um, of, of, you know, how, looking each week at how you spent your time and, you know, just tweaking it. You know, you have to, if you want to change something, you have to look at it and measure it and say, okay, what, how much time did I spend on this this week? And is that appropriate? And what do I want to change next week? Okay. So I love this. I have to know. I, cause I do the same thing, but with money where it's like, we have to see where it's going first so that we know exactly what to change. And I know how to get a person to do that with money. What is Mm -hmm. the physical step that they take when it comes to managing or measuring their time? Like how exactly are you having them track it? Is it on a sheet of paper? Is it like mental notes? Is it on a little notepad? Like all the above? What exactly do you do? Yes. Yes. And yes, it is written written down on a piece of paper and tracked. Exactly. I'm very strict about this. And this is actually, it's a transformational exercise if someone really commits to doing it. It is actually keeping a productivity journal, which includes a time log. And I have, I assign this to clients as homework and I say, just commit to this for seven days. Okay. And you actually literally do write down your daily activities. You know, you track your minutes. We all have the same amount of minutes in the day, right? 1440. And it's, that's your precious time. And it's just that, that's why I think this is so similar to money management, right? Where Mm -hmm. You want to look at your money. You start with sitting down with clients, I'm sure, and, and and assessing where they are today, right? Looking at what they're spending, what's going out, what's coming in. Exactly. So I'm. you probably have clients similar to me where I have some clients who are so detail-oriented, right? And they probably turn in their time log and it's like 11:52 a.m. to 12:07 <laughs> p.m. and like very and then you probably have those that are like 11 to 11:15, right? And cuz sort of maybe a little right. bit more yeah, general. That's a style different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So and what do you so you but say for seven Oops, I'm losing my sound here. Okay, so for 7 days you're saying be as precise and accurate as possible, right? Yes, and that's just to get a baseline. Okay. It, um, to, to, to get a baseline to say, here's what I'm doing right now. And just that little process, that act of having to write it down, it does take self-discipline, but that process of writing it down will, you'll start to change just naturally. What do you say? What's, what's your reaction to the person who says, but this week wasn't a normal week or this week is different. Every week is different. Cause I hear that all the time too, where this, that doesn't always mm-hmm. happen or, you know, that kind of reaction to life being a little yeah. more chaotic than a seven day window. Right. I know nothing's ever perfect. We strive for progress, not perfection. Yes. I love That's that. Yes. I say it all the time. time. <laughs> yes, I love that. <laughs> Um, so that's what I say, first of all, and this is, um, you know, we, it's a work in progress and you are going to start to see patterns and start to see categories of activities. And really, you know, it's just, it's an exercise. It's a starting exercise. And so that's, that's really how I coach them. And, you know, oftentimes they'll do it a second week. I'll say, okay, if this wasn't a normal week, do it, do it for the second week. Because really, actually, part of my um, 
this this particular module around co- coaching them around productivity it, it, it kind of it is a two week deal. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, if they give me the excuse that one week isn't typical, then I say, okay, do it another week. <laughs> what are the big red you know? What are the big red flags that people like that people look for in that exercise that you can change immediately? The big time wasters or uh, the digital big red flags? social media digital that is a big one. That's a big time waster, and everybody you know people even people who don't use social media it's any digital device, right? Mm-hmm. If they're on their, I mean, smartphones and tablets and whatever, you know, people, I challenge people and hold them accountable to being honest and being, you know, looking, you know, taking a real hard look at themselves and, and, you know, how they're spending their time. And, and we talk about, you know, in coaching, it's a, it's a space where you can really look at your values and, and, you know, I help people with setting goals and achieving goals. So that's, um, again, a similarity with what you guys do with clients, right? It's about making sure that you are firm with your why and your purpose of like, you know, what's your big vision of what you're trying to achieve. Right. You know, so so when you connect it to that, then you, then you say, okay, you look at, okay, these are what, this is what I, what I value. This is my, you know, what's important to me. And then you compare that with, your time log and your activity, you know, how much mm-hmm. you're spending on those activities and what's out of alignment. And then you maybe you pick, okay, these are the top three areas that I am, I'm spending too many minutes on this and I want to change it. We just start with the top three or maybe even the top one. Right. Perfect. But it, it, you know, you have to start somewhere. Right. So that's perfect. Cause I, I do want to talk about, did you want to say something else about that? About goals? I think just really quickly, the one thing that I think about is how we can all just get into a rut or get into this routine that's not really serving us well. And I think what you are describing, Julie, is this exercise where you simply stop and think about it and sort of become yeah. very intentional with, yes, we've been doing this for a while, but sometimes that just happens without even realizing it. Right. And all of a sudden yeah. a week goes by and you think, Maybe we wasted time a little bit here and there, but it really adds up. And I think what you're doing is saying, let's just stop, take inventory and try Mm -hmm. to be a little bit more intentional with one hour a week to start or one hour a day or whatever that may be. But trying to be a little bit more intentional about the time. And I think it's just a very good exercise that we do with money, too, where it's Mm -hmm. like, let's just question everything. Let's start fresh. Let's question if we were to redo it starting today. What would this what, what do we wish it could look like? Yes, that's right. Starting from that blank slate and, you know, having that clear, clear mind. Um, you have to get, get caught up to get to a point where you can do that, right? It's more strategic planning. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. But we have to, the, the thinking time is so important because we're doing, most of us are doing knowledge work and we don't, you know, we, we often are so distracted by everything that's being bombarded at us that we we don't take that set aside that thinking time to consider, you know, what, what, what am I doing and how does it match up with where I'm headed, where I want to be headed. Right. Goals and values. I love that. Yeah. So, uh, I want to get back into digital distractions and social media that you were kind of talking yeah. about. And so we actually took a poll in our, um, online, uh, group coaching, uh, group yes. and 50% of the group said that social media and digital distractions mm-hmm. were what makes them the most unproductive throughout their day. So what are your tips for helping kind of break that, those digital distractions? 
Okay, my first one, I, I, I saw your question that you, you sent over, and I like this because it, it is, I think, the digital, the dig, information over consumption. Mm. And so my, my number one tip is none before noon, I tell clients, none before noon. No, so, no oh my social media. That noon. sounds incredibly painful to me. I'm not going to lie. I, I it's know, the first thing said. I do when I get up. It's an addiction, okay? Yeah. It is an it addiction. Is. Anything that controls your time that much is an addiction. Yeah. And I actually, we, we in our coaching program, have a digital detox, Kelsa. Oh Lord. Perhaps you might want to look at that. <laughs> I do. Here's the thing is I'm ready to, I want to challenge myself. I need other people to challenge themselves. I got to rise to that occasion, right? Let's hear it. Let's hear what a digital detox is. Okay. So first of all, it's, you know, taking a real assessment. Okay. Like we've just talked about an honest look at what you're doing and you know, is it a problem? Right. I mean, obviously we're talking about it. It's, it, it, it does affect it does impact your work productivity. And so if, if you decide that this is a problem, then you commit to saying, okay, I'm going to make changes. You make a list of what are your top digital distractions? You know, is it Facebook? Is it LinkedIn, Instagram? I don't know, whatever it is that you spend a lot of time on based on, you know, your own taking your baseline measurements. Mm-hmm. I'm writing this and, down. Okay, <laughs> like so literally step by step, yes. Mm-hmm. Like make a list of your top applications or digital distractions, whatever those are. And then you're going to pick three of them to give up, to abstain. Three of them for a week. Hmm. That's seven days. That's, that's, this, is a, this is a big ask. But you will be amazed You'll be amazed at, at what happened. I mean, it, it, it literally is like a withdrawal, right? Because you see how addicted you have become to it over time. And, it, you know, that time that you have spent, you're going to start to use differently and you're going to see a very quick change. And you if know, you can't give up three, then just start with one. You know, my thing is I was thinking, like, I don't really think I have three, to be honest. I probably yeah. have two. Probably have okay. Two, yeah. Three, and how about three. how about email? That's another one. Yeah. Uh, you know, e- the other one is is part of our digital detox is is putting your email in perspective. Yes. Taking back control because that can zap time away from your, you know, doing your creative work and the projects that you know the, the important work Absolutely. that needs to get done. I'll tell you one of the things that I did a, a while back and I, it has worked well for me. I've continued to do it. I never slipped back into my old ways, if you will. But I. I turn off notifications on my phone. So I can still check my email from my phone, but I don't get alerted. So in other words, what happens, the notification is not what prompts me to check my email. I will be disciplined and say at two o'clock today, I'm going, if we're out and about or whatever, I'm going to check my email, but I will sort of like set time aside, do it all at one time. And then I, I don't get notifications throughout the day. So I'm not constantly yeah, getting distracted right. by it and pulled away from it. And that has really helped. And I tell, you know, I tell clients that all the time. I think we all know those people that, and I think this is one of those things to take inventory of. Maybe you are one of these people to the listeners where, you know, you post something on Facebook and they're always the first to like or comment. Like mm-hmm. we all know who they are, <laughs> yeah. right? Like we know when we post a picture of Carmen, who the very first commenter right or liker there. will be. It doesn't know, matter right? if we post at like 8 a.m. or 8 p.m. Like this person, you know, and then you kind of wonder like are they just like how do they do that yeah. like they must it's literally just have it time. on them Absolutely open online. all the time right 
Yes, I know. It's such a distraction. And science, there's tons of scientific research that supports that we, our brain is not really capable of multitasking like that. You can do a cognitive task and a physical task at the same time, but not two cognitive tasks. You really can't. Mm. Uh, so this is why focus is so important. And part of our program involves helping people to increase focus. And, you know, you, you are committing to slowly, gradually minimizing the distractions in your, in your physical space and creating an environment for success. Sure. So at seven days of detoxing. And yes, seven days. So, so you get to, to the eighth day, and then are you you're like, yeah, I don't really need to do it much anymore, or what do yeah. you? What's phase well, two? What's phase two. <laughs> you are going okay. So in seven days, if you really commit and stick to it, you are going to be so encouraged, motivated by your progress that you will want to do it another week, okay. and you will. And after after two weeks, things have become, you've created new habits. Yeah. So it gets easier and easier. Even after the first week, it's easier. I promise. I imagine you, you feel so much freer yeah. afterwards and unburdened yeah. with just the amount of time that you've mm-hmm. saved, and you can actually get other stuff done rather than just eh, what, what's my cousin, you know, doing or whatever. So yeah. I, I can imagine how freeing that would be. It's kind of like budgeting is saving money, paying off debt. Like it's addictive, right? Like the more progress you see, the more progress you want. And you start to get the momentum where you build it up. And I would think time management and productivity and feeling more focused is sort of the same thing, right? Where once you start to feel it and feel freer, more productive, like you actually want more of it. Mm -hmm. Yes. You get this boost, like this buoyancy of, you know, creativity and your mind is, is more clear. Yeah. Getting started really is the hardest part for a lot of things, whether it's eating healthy, working out, budgeting, managing your time, becoming more productive. I think starting is probably the hardest part for just about everything. So it's for everybody listening, just start and do it for seven days. Give it seven days. Julie yeah. says seven days. Just do it for you seven do days. For seven days. <laughs> you can and quit see how you feel. Yeah. Some people, but you know, some people can't. You know, it's hard. Even just one day, yeah. if you're really addicted to some particular digital distraction. Yeah, yeah. I think it right. would be but, if, but I'm really right. honest, if I'm really honest. If I'm really honest about what would be the most challenging to give up. Like, I could probably give up Instagram but not really care, to be honest. Like, there are some things where I could be like, oh, I'm going to give up Instagram. And, like, that's not really that great of an effort. I would be copping out big time. Mm -hmm. But if I really were honest and I said, I'm going to give up Facebook for seven days, I'll tell you, that would be so hard for me. It would be really – I feel like I want to do it just to prove to myself that I can. Like that's kind of how I am. I know. I know, right? But then on the side, you know, Michael can be posting for you. (laughs) Yeah, right? I know. But here's the thing. The beauty of things like – Hootsuite or automation is, I mean, we really could be mm. providing great articles and doing quotes and still doing everything and get it all scheduled ahead of time and know for that seven days, we really can detach from that and it's it's going yeah. to be okay, right? Like I think one of the questions, okay. you know, when you're out shopping and you're wanting to buy something, the question you should really ask yourself is, but what if I didn't? Just what if I didn't, mm-hmm. right? Like the world is not going to fall off its access axis. It's not, yeah. the world's not going to stop spinning. It's going to be okay. And so the question is, what if, 
you know, what if I just didn't go on Facebook for a week? All the clients will be okay, right? Like all the family right. who don't see they pictures of Carmen. They need to reach me. Right. Yes. Right. <laughs> It'll be okay, you know. And if you think about the other side of the and coin. And you substitute other things in, that, in the yeah. place of that. You do, you know, you put something else in there. Exactly. I'm sure, yeah. And if you think about the other side of the coin of uh, actively forcing yourself to stop for seven days is what if we went on vacation for seven days and mm-hmm. was in, we were in a cabin with no internet, no Wi-Fi, no cell service. And you know how, like, I'm almost excited to be able to have that. So yeah. just the, the fact that I have it all the time is one reason why I'm on social media all the time. But if we're in, out in the middle of nowhere and we, don't, we can't have it, it's, I think that's very freeing and like, oh, I can actually do what I want and, and have a good adult conversation with somebody and, um, and not, you know, focus. And so I think real social connection, exactly. Face to face looking at someone. Yeah. So if you, I mean, I think a lot of other people have that where they actually just want to get away and get off the grid, quote unquote, and that's very freeing. And and so some people force themselves to do that and look forward to that. So I, I know that's what I, we do. We try to get away, uh, go camping and just get away for a while. And that is part of, uh, that's right, just disconnecting for, for a day, a week, uh, um, is part of our digital detox program. And that, that's a, a great exercise and habit to get into, too. It's also similar to, you know, brides when they're planning their wedding and, you know, leading up to the wedding, it has consumed so many of their thoughts, so much of their time. And then all of a sudden the wedding is over with and it's three days later and they're kind of like... What, what do I think about? What do I do? You know, what do I spend my time on? And it's sort of like the sky's the limit. Like, what do you want to do with it? And all of a sudden, that's how you get to feel when it comes to just everyday life. Yes, right? You, you don't realize how distractions have taken over until you get rid of them or minimize. And then suddenly, wow, you know, you're able, you have time to discover new pursuits. Yeah. So social media, emails, um, social media, emails, uh, what other, let's see. I don't have too many clients who have like video games. I don't have not too many of my clients are playing games. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have too many of that either. Right. Uh, The email is a big one for a lot of my clients who are running companies or, you know, in, in management because it's just email overload. And I, I think, one thing that I find is helpful mm-hmm. to people is to change, you know, do a mindset shift on the whole email and recognize that, you know, there's nothing earth shattering that's going to come in those emails. And you really need to train people, your team, for example, how to communicate with you by email. You know, don't be answering emails at 10 o'clock at night. Don't, you know, don't train them to expect that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if something can be handled you don't, everybody doesn't necessarily have to be copied on every email, right? I tell my, my team, don't copy me on everything, you know, only if I have to know, right? If, if you need me to, and, and just little tweaks like that that you can do. Um, it, I think it's, it, there's a lot to say about closing unfinished business and open loops because that frees up a lot of psychic energy and email can, you know, when you, if you, I encourage clients to get their inbox to zero. Mm. And I mean, some, you know, that, that can take a while for some people who have thousands sure. in their inbox. Yeah. 
Right. Yeah, Michael. <laughs> but actually I'm down to like 20 right now. I, You're I mean, actually down I, to 20. Yeah. yeah. I'm doing, He's doing good. awesome. Good. Good. Yes. Yeah. I worked hard on that actually. Like, yeah. He it really does. did. It, it is hard. Right. But then once you get there, you know, you want to incorporate the right strategies to keep you there. Right. To, mm-hmm. So you can stay at that, at that state. One of the so. things that we did here at the office, um, you know, Sherry obviously is my assistant, and I feel like even though some days we're here for eight hours together, we can very much be like two ships passing in the night, where if I'm in meetings all day and she's managing a whole bunch of stuff, like, we'll be here for a whole week together, and we barely talk sometimes, you know? <laughs> I know, um, right? You know, I, uh-huh. One thing is we did, we, we have a, a Monday meeting, a meeting every Monday, where, and we have an agenda where it's like status of clients, you know, update on reports and it's a a very rough agenda, but it helps us to kind of have a talking point where we don't necessarily need to talk every single day on every small task, which is a distraction. We can, Mm -hmm. all the non-priority things, we can just talk on Monday, right? Like it can probably wait until Monday. It makes everything, takes it out of that urgent quadrant, right? And makes it so that there's a time and a place for it. Um, But the other thing that has been really helpful is she just sends me an email at the end of the day with updates like, hey, talk to so-and-so and I did get a reschedule because I, I think that. what you just talked about was that open loop. It's more about the the question of is this still out there and can we bring closure yeah. to it where it, it takes the question out of my mind, it gets it off of my plate and it gets me to stop wondering so that then I don't have to yeah. send her an email and say, hey, whatever happened to this? And imagine if there's 25 of those things happening a day, I don't have to send her an email right. every time and say, oh, by the way, where are we at with X or what's happening with Y? I just know I get an email. It comes in at the end of the night. I can read through it. Things in bold if she needs me to respond, which is great, like if she's waiting for an answer. But I know I'm not going to get 27 emails during the day for my assistant either, you know? That's a great process. Love that, Kelsa. Definitely. Bullet points, quick review, bringing closure, closing those open loops and, and, and that's good. You can sleep better that way. I absolutely. And I feel like the thing that happened for us is it really was born out of necessity. And I think it was born on necessity. I, Michael says that I'm a obsessed with efficiency, right? So, so I think I figured that out because I wasn't efficient and I wanted something efficient and all that kind of stuff. But I think a lot of people, one, don't even realize the toxic nature of what's happening. And two, they're so inundated by distractions that they can't even stop to put a change in place. Does that make sense? So I think that's kind of where you come in and help them observe the, the hiccups, if you will. Yes, right. You're reminding me of David Allen. Do you know that him, the, the yeah. productivity guru? Yes. He talks about, you know, workflow management and, you know, this overload that we feel is really related to our, truly the brain, our circuits in our brain are overloaded. And so we need to start with just collecting all of this information about the projects, the tasks, the actions, collect it and put it somewhere. And that, you know, that process is so critical to, um, you know, to having less stress and be more productive. Right. More focused for sure. Good. Makes sense. So if if you decide to make the mental mindset shift with your, just your email, is it important to qualify with people in an email that you're 
you know, I'm only answering emails between 8 a.m. and 6 p.m. You put that in your signature. Um, I, yeah, I left, or I, I was been talking with somebody through email, and, and his signature says something to the effect of, I apologize if my email is brief, but I focus on short and actionable emails. Which I really, I, like I really, really, really like that. Like, if, because if I, rather than writing a flowery four paragraph email, <laughs> yeah, if you put right? just a couple words that answers every question, like, that's, I think that's great. Yeah, Short and actionable. Exactly. Right. Short and sweet and simple. Yeah. Do, is it necessary to qualify that in an email and a signature or let people know? Do you, does that make sense? Or do you think you can just. Yeah. I mean, what you just described, I like that. I yeah. like that communicating directly and, and upfront. Okay, that good. sounds like a good yeah. tactic. I, I don't do that explicitly like that, mm-hmm. but I do, I do type short e- email responses so people get it. Mm-hmm. You know, They know they're going to get just a quick, short response from right. me most of the time. Right. And I, usually people are probably aren't offended by a short uh, and to-the-point email, but uh, I just like that he kind of put that in there like, I'm not trying yeah. to offend you, but uh, I'm, I just like uh-huh. to be this way. Yeah, and I like the part about the hours too, right? Yeah. I, I think I've said that before. And have, I, I know clients who do that too, is saying, you know, I don't, I don't respond to emails during evening or weekend hours. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I like that idea. I don't do that, but I like yeah. that idea a lot. Um, yeah. It's just a way of clarifying the boundary and here's what's expected. I'm not mm-hmm. ignoring you because for some reason, right. reason, people assume you're ignoring them when you're not the type to ignore anybody. Yeah. So, you know, but um, you're, going, yeah. you're swimming upstream too, right? Because most people are always on. You know, and so if you can, if you're going to set that boundary, you're going to be different, which yeah, which I like. Mm-hmm. What about text messages? Is this sort of like I don't know if it's considered a digital distraction or what, but man, I really dislike texting. I feel like I get these questions that say things like, um, "I have this thing coming up. What do you think I should do?" And it's a text message, right? And I think like this really is one of those emails that if I were to actually type it in an email, it would be a four paragraph thing just in order to kind of like, I would rather have a conversation, a phone conversation yeah, or an in-person. And right? in that oh, I think definitely. text is the sometimes the worst form of communication. I, that's a client texting you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Boundaries. I you. I yeah. Uh, yeah. So... <laughs> Yes. And I do. I think I have been. Is that boundary working for you? (laughs) Yeah, I do. I mean, Michael knows it used to be really bad. I have gotten really good about saying, I think this is better discussed tomorrow. I'll give you a call tomorrow or something. And you know what I have found is I think a lot of people, you know, there are some clients who do pay to access me through cell phones. So it's not like an open-ended thing. So, um, and I really, there are clients who, you know, Really and truly, if something happens, I want them to be able to call me on my cell phone. Yes. You know, and, and, and I was joking with you because I actually have clients that text me too, Kelsa. Yes. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> yes. um, I think it's more of the just amazing to me how many people actually. F- I, I'm. If anybody saw me texting, it's like the slowest thing ever. I mean, it really takes me forever. Know. You know. Me too. Me too. I have big thumbs. <laughs> yeah, and it's hard to like keep them organized. I find that doesn't stay present. Where I can organize my emails so much better. I can flag it for follow up. I can do, you know. All, and you know what I find is what a lot of people are doing with the text message thing is, they they'll oftentimes write something back and say, "I just wanted to text you while it was fresh in my mind." So they weren't even really expecting a response, but it was almost almost like their way of getting off of their plate. Yes. 
So a, a good undermined. answer to that, a, a good response when people want to dump their stuff on you is, I know you'll figure this out. You know, I know you'll figure that out. Something, mm-hmm. you know, a short statement back like that. You're giving it back to them. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder, do you know if there's like an app out there that has like an autoresponder to text messages if it's late at night and it says, here, you've re- received my autoresponder and that's through text, not necessarily email. I'm sure there has to be. I don't know of one I'm by sure, name, yeah. I don't know. So know if anyone's listening, I'd love to hear. Yeah, like if any any listeners, yeah, I would love to know if there if that's out there. Yeah, or let's right. just invent it right now and make a million dollars. There you <laughs> go. We came up with something. We have there. a new idea. Right. Because that's you know you want to you don't want to be rude and not respond to somebody, but right, right, yeah, having it automatic would be exactly. nice. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So yeah. let's, I think it's smart to minimize, you know, to, to you kind of have to sometimes go on a case by case basis. But this mm-hmm. gets back to that what we talked about earlier of, you know, planned, you know, strategically planning time to to think about what you're doing and to review your processes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And this and that one included. Yes. Well, let, let's uh, this conversation is flowing by so fast. It's so great. I we're uh, we're. Not quite out of time, but I really want to talk to kind of the, what we really want to talk about and what people want to hear about is is your thoughts on how money management and time management are tied together. So any any thoughts yes. or tips on, on that? I think they are very closely tied together, I believe. There's a lot of similarities. I mean, firstly, we, we say time is money, right? Right, yeah. And, I mean, it, it's true that when you, you know, getting back to the point of, of measurement, if you want to change something, you need to measure it. Mm-hmm. So that I think is the similarity right there. You are coaching people and helping them to manage, measure their money. And I coach and help people to measure, manage their time spent. So the process is similar and it involves, um, you know, take self-discipline and setting up, creating a plan following a plan. Um, so there's a lot of similarities, I think, in what, you know, how you're working with clients and how I'm working with clients and some of the, some of the pitfalls that people face. It's, it's, if you, I think I, I, I might've said this to you when we were talking before, but I really believe that it does go hand in hand. If you're not managing your time or if you're not managing your money, you're probably not managing your time very well. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think it's it's a feeling <laughs> of um, chaos or not having control. And I, it, not only that, but I think it pertains to a lot of areas of your life. So I see it happen all the time where a client comes in, we get them feeling better about their money, and they immediately start eating better. They start working out. Mm-hmm. They start managing their time better. They start. I mean, it's one of those things where I really do think when you feel out of control, or I know we've talked about like, people who just feel stuck in mm-hmm. one area, it tends to be that they're stuck in multiple areas and freeing up one of those allows you the capacity. I'm not sure the energy, the focus mm-hmm. to then focus on the next one. And it becomes sort of the momentum gets in the right spot. Yes. Right. I agree. I, in, in my studies of clinical psychology, we talk about anxiety and what that really is. And it's, it's a lack of control feeling a lack of control and Mm. not having, you know, a disorganization. Mm. And so that's, that's what we're talking about here is, um, wow. Yeah. 
you know, getting that control. I would say, you know, one of the things you said with when it comes to time management is that it, you know, it's about discipline and it's also about following a plan. And it's funny because I don't think I would have thought of those words, following a plan as a really key part of time management, but it makes total sense, you know, like really trying to craft, even on a Sunday, here's how I'm going to spend my week. Here's how I'm going to allocate my time. Here's the plan I'm going to put into place. And just thinking about it that way, I really think already just sort of shifts it to be one where you're proactive, intentional. It's the time's going to pass anyway. So, (laughs) you know, let's try and be really intentional about it. Yeah, but following a plan, I never thought about it that way. For some mm-hmm. reason, that is a very powerful way of saying it for me. Yeah, I think and and another good exercise, which I think is similar to exercises that you have your clients do, I imagine, is planning out your day like you would plan out or your week, planning out your spending for the week or the month, right? Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. I, I do that. I have clients work, plan out 90-minute blocks of time for their work. And actually, you know, really blocking out how they're going to spend their day. So I'm curious, the 90 minutes, where did that number come from? Where that time, I'm sure, I'm assuming this has something to do with your That is interesting. Good question. That number came from a study with violinists by this. um, Okay, so Tony Schwartz, who is the CEO of the Energy Project, I, I, he he uh, talked about this study in a Harvard Business Review article, I think. I've, it's been a while. But it was really interesting to me because they looked at the violinist, and it, it, it's related to this, the law of diminishing returns. Essentially, the, the best violinists would practice in 90-minute segments, and then they'd give themselves 15-minute breaks. So that's actually where I modeled that from in my coaching program. I learned that, and I said, okay. I started doing it myself and and found out how effective it was for me and that's how I got into my coaching program. So but I just thought that was so interesting. I love that. They, that. they actually looked at the looked at the best who got to be the best and how what their practices were for how they spent their time. Yeah. You know, how long and and actually actually it's also related to brain research. Hmm. Your brain works most effectively in, you know, when you concentrate and focus for, for they, they, they found the optimal time was 90 minutes. So and it's back so, to the research. And then do you recommend, I'm curious, 90 minutes and then a 15 minute break? Is that what you typically recommend or is that just in yeah. that one study? Okay. And what constitutes a break? What do you get to do during a 15 minute break? And well, first, let me preface and say, not every, you're not always every day going to do 90 minutes, 15 minute break, and then 90 minutes again, you know, back to back. I I do, I try to do at least two 90 minute sessions a day. I call them my jam sessions and I Mm. plan for no phone, no email, no, I'm working on a project, like a writing, I'm writing or some, some work that I need to get done that I'm not talking on the phone or email or anything like that. So, so I do two or three of those a day, but if you so 15 if you're going to do a few back to back yes you want to take at least 15 minutes get up and walk around have a snack take a brisk walk um you know you could give yourself a little break and and check check twitter if you need to right (laughs) something you know get your brain out of the concentration mode and give you know 
get your adrenaline flowing physically. Okay. So I was going to say, like, is it recommended that there's a physical nature, like get up and walk around or go outside or, you know, depending on where you live, you know, Mm -hmm. do 10 jumping jacks or (laughs) spin in a circle, stand on your head. That's what, what, yeah, I think that's what the experts in time management recommend. And just in, in, you know, sure. Mindfulness training and, and, it, different things work for different people though too, right? Mm-hmm. Some absolutely. I have some clients who like who she will close her door and her her team all knows this that she she takes her 15 minute breaks and she closes her door and she takes a quick power nap. Mm-hmm. That's, That's great for her. Yeah. Um, you know, others who do t- go out and take a walk get fresh air. You see you sure. see what works for you. Absolutely. But it, it is important to balance out, right? To give your mm-hmm. your I think this was rate. a I mean, maybe the biggest takeaway of the entire podcast is creating 90 minute jam sessions and why create a new name for it when jam sessions, Julie coins it jam sessions. I love that. I love it. I do. Um, (laughs) Yes. No, I think every person should actually try. I know I'm going to try and really block out those 90 minutes because I do. I have days where I will. I call them my in-service days, which is so boring. I need to call them my jam days or something. I need to come up with something way more fun. Um, And I'm going to try and do, you know, block it off in a 90-minute thing because I don't do that, and I think I could probably get a lot more done on those days. You will. You will definitely get a lot more done. I love that. That's great. I need to start doing that, too. Yeah. So I know we're running out of yeah. time, but and and I was really looking forward to looking at your seven-step recipe recipe for increasing productivity. Do you think we can get through seven in like five or ten minutes, or do you want to give us like the top oh, I, three? I can just run through. I think we've touched on a little bit of okay. this. What's in the in the recipe? I've talked a little bit okay. about it. Yeah, but just, first let's is just, just go committing. You want me to run through it? Yeah, just run through. Mm-hmm. It. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so first is just making the commitment that this is important to you and that you are, you know, you're determined that you're going to persist and do whatever it takes. And, that, and recognizing that you, this is a learned behavior. You can learn to improve your, your productivity and time management. So that's number one. Okay. Uh, the, the productivity journal is part of that commitment I mentioned earlier, getting just any little booklet that you can write in the paper and you're going to write your commitment in your own words. I'm a big fan of writing down in my coaching. I, you asked earlier, like, what, what, how do you do it? I use paper and pen, and I really <laughs> have clients write it down. Okay. Some of the techie people insist on doing it in their computer, but most of them write it on paper. And so you are, you know, it's, there's, a, there's something that happens when you take things out of your mind and put it into paper, and that process mm-hmm. is important. So keeping a journal agree. is key. And isn't handwriting, yeah. isn't there studies that show that handwriting is more effective at um, making that, uh, memorizing yes. or making that a pattern rather than typing? That's true, yes. I don't know who, where, that's, I know so, I've read that before. Sounds too. right, yeah. I don't know where yeah, that yeah. came sounds from. Sounds right, it's right. right. <laughs> yeah, we and son spender decides right yeah. now it's right. <laughs> <laughs> so then you measure, you get your baseline, your time log, like I mentioned, we talked about that, seven days at least, and just, you know, paying attention to, to what, what you're spending time on, and then you start to, to categorize after that. You say, okay, these are my top categories, I'm spending the most time, does that fit with, you know, my goals and my values? Um, three is, is that, that uh, maximizing your time with the 90-minute work segments, planning out, planning, blocking out your day. Four is picking one focus area at a time. This goes back again to just, you know, using research, scientific research to your advantage, how the brain works. 
best, most effectively and efficiently. And it's, we need to focus. So I really, this is a big part of, of how I coach clients in, in picking out small pieces and breaking it down, mm-hmm. um, break it, break every project down into smaller segments and break, you know, small actions. Mm-hmm. It's like that, you know, you eat elephant one bite at a time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what else here? Exercise is number five. That's important. Exercise. Even if it's just a little bit each day, I, I try to encourage clients to commit to 20 minutes a day of exercise. Some, some do much more than that, but it's important. And again, tons of research supporting how this can make you more productive. Mm. And if you eliminate yeah. social media, that's... You've At got your 20 minutes right there. Three or four hours for a lot of people. Hey, <laughs> and, you can and when you're when you're taking your walk, you listen to the Saver and the Spender podcast. Right? I love it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Putting good things in your mind. Right. Um, exercise sleep, I think, is on the list. Oh, dedicating to small actions is number six. Because just again, the consistency and the persistence. It, it, you know, over getting out of overwhelm. As you mentioned, Kelsa, you you know, it comes down to the point of sometimes you 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 break it down into the tiniest bit and then you just have to do it. Mm-hmm. You just start with one tiny step. And I have a rule of three in my coaching practice. I use three a lot um, on a daily basis, the rule of three. This is probably my number one tip, if you ask me. My number one mm-hmm. tip is then every day, don't have I mean, yes, you have a huge to-do list. We all do. We all have a lot of goals. But pick your top three every day, rule of three, that three that you are going to commit to accomplishing. Mm-hmm. You know, they could be, you know, just a few tasks out of three different projects or all related to one project, but just the three and start there and have it written down and check them off. That in and of itself, that little practice is you'll see progress in yourself and you'll start to get, you know, encouraged to do more from there. Right, because there's probably some days where you could do 10, right? Maybe you're on a roll that day or, but even on the days where you do just three, right? Only three, that's still a successful day, right? So instead of it having one day where you do nothing and another day where you then feel guilty about that Mm -hmm. and feel like you really have to overcome, it's like you said, consistency and persistency. That's right, Mm -hmm. exactly. Rule of three. And then seven is, is that getting control of the information overload, which we talked about and putting yourself on a digital detox, getting control of your email. That, that's really going to free up a lot of hours in your week if you can do that. And, and really, it only takes people in my, in my programs in two weeks, they really turn themselves around a lot. Wow. That's amazing. Huge. I'm not surprised. Mm-hmm. It makes really. so much sense of just and then, breaking it down in little bites like that and... Um, do you like the term? It's, it's a very common term, but life hacks or mind hacks, because that's I think that's I think that's kind of what is the, it's what we're talking the, about. What here, we're talking right? about, right? Let's let's take take the research, take the science, and how mm-hmm. to hack your brain, which I think is getting a little hacky to say hack your brain nowadays. But <laughs> <laughs> but that's what, that's really what what it's, the the pop pop term is, I think. And it's better than the word tweak for some reason, but I don't know why. Yeah. Like hacks just seems better, mm-hmm. trendier. Does, I don't know. <laughs> we need to come up with a new word. Yeah, <laughs> let's do it. I like it. We'll have to think about it. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. That was number seven. Yes. So we, we are good. It. Perfect. Yeah, we made it through. Thank you, guys. Of course. That's so. I, I know you you got to get going. You have another meeting, but we always have one question that we end with here. Okay. Um, and I want you to be completely honest. 
So right. if you could do anything else, uh, and money is no option, money is no issue, uh, for a job, what would you be doing? So here's my example, and I don't remember what your example was, but um, okay. my example is that if I had no option, you know, no, money was no issue, um, I would be a vendor at baseball at the baseball stadium, where I would be the guy oh. going around selling uh, hot dogs or peanuts or whatever, and have the little like. Mm. Um, there's a, that, you know, the tray and I'd have my little hook that I yell and I throw peanuts yeah, behind my that's back. So fun. Um, just, for fun. just for fun. I think that'd be really fun for some reason. I don't know why, but what would you, what would I your, know. Oh my gosh. I, the first thing that came to my mind, honestly, was being a nature guide oh. <laughs> like on hikes or even in, uh, I, go, I love going on horseback riding trails. So I would love to do that. Just take people out on, on hikes and be a guy. Awesome. Yeah, that'd be very cool. Do you remember what you That's were doing? That's what I do. But I mean, I love what I do, so I want to keep doing right. what I'm doing. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Too. yeah. <laughs> I agree. I love what I do too. I don't remember, but I was just thinking it's so funny that you said that. And maybe because I'm kind of on this thing right now where I really want to be outdoors a lot and I'm just loving that. And so I really, th- I would like hike or I would just do like a hike trail guide or something for a living and just yes, walk people around. Fun. I mean, I don't know. That'd that would be fun. great. I think just go explore and be out there. Be a park and ranger. That's huh? that'd be fun. Well, I don't know. I might have to do too much work then. Oh <laughs> man, that's true. Gonna, <laughs> right. That, that right. is a lot of work and for mm-hmm. probably not a lot of money either, but money's no option. So it's, it's a job uh, you love. Right. Yeah. I just want to walk around in the woods and, you know, Look at the trees. Awesome. <laughs> right, exactly. All right. Well, Julie DeVito, thank you so much for being with us. I think we have we covered so much, but but there's so much more we could talk about. So we'd love to have you back on yeah. again and have a part two and a part three and just have some awesome I know. conversations. I, t- I, I feel like I talked the whole time about time management. We didn't really <laughs> talk about money management. I know. That's okay. That's no. Okay. What, we did. Go ahead and end with website or phone number or just kind of how people reach you if they've got questions. Sure. So my website is realizationpartners.com. Okay. Realization Partners. And I'm Julie DeVito. You can send me a message through the through the website or we have a Facebook page also, Realization Partners. Okay. And I'm Julie at realizationpartners.com. Oh, so easy. So easy. <laughs> we'll put all that in the show Email notes just so anybody can, can get in touch with you. So Julie DeVito at, from Realization Partners, thank you so much. And uh, that's it for us. Oh, everybody. and you can download. on the. I, I also put the 20 tips, top 20 productivity tips is on the website for downloading. Oh, perfect. perfect. Oh, I love that. Yes. Right, and we'll put a link for that just for you. Okay, thank okay. you. Sure. Thank you. Thanks, lovely Julie. to talk to you. You, you too. too. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. Okay, talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Saver and The Spender. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address, www.fiscalfitnessaz.com, to your family, friends, and colleagues. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at I Am Fiscally Fit, and on Facebook at Fiscal Fitness PHX. Join us next time for another edition of The Saver and The Spender.